there. Welcome to Radio Face. As always, my name is Daniel Trinham, and I will be your host. It is truly an honor that you have decided to tune in for today's episode, and I hope that you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed creating it. Before we begin today's episode, I want to let you know that this show is in no way affiliated with the other show that I host, The Third Seat. However, if you'd like to check out The Third Seat, then you can find the information and links for it in the description of today's episode. I think you will really enjoy it as well, so I highly recommend you check it out. Along with this, you can find all other links to my social media accounts, as well as any necessary information for any guests that may join me on the show or myself down in the description of today's episode. With all that being said, I want to thank you again for listening in to today's episode. Now let's jump into the conversation. All right, everyone. Well, welcome back to the show. Thank you all for joining me with today's episode. Um, today, I'm really excited to start a new segment um, of the podcast. Uh, this segment is going to be a little bit more um, not as structured. Uh, it's it's going to be one that is something I've really been looking forward to doing, and it's largely going to be just me on the microphone today. Um, you know, I over the past few years, I've really um, become more interested in, you know, uh, there's there's been v- various topics that I have become more interested in, and uh, just learning about the world around me, and just the events that happen in our day-to-day lives, and just how the world works in general. I've become a more, I think, a more curious person overall. And if you know me, um, you know, on a personal level, you know that I am a, you know, very opinionated person. Um, And if you give me the chance, I'm always free to share that opinion. Um, But I don't always feel like, um, sometimes it's good to just, you don't have to butt in uh, into other conversations to give your opinion when it's not needed. And so um, there's a lot of topics that I really don't get the chance to talk about just because sometimes I think it's good to, um, you know, let others speak before I give give my two cents on an issue. And so um, today with this new segment, the, the name of this new segment is Sincerely Yours Truly. And the whole goal of this segment is just for me to uh, just sit here and basically give my thoughts and opinions and just how I'm feeling overall about any sort, any given subject that I've really never or really haven't spoken all that much about. Um, it may be a current event. Uh, it may be just some topic that I'm passionate about that I would like to talk about. It may be, you know, who knows, maybe in the future I'll have a conversation with, with, you know, somebody about a topic, but for now, Um, this is going to kind of just be me, uh, not real, not ad libbing, but just kind of off the cuff. Um, not as research, just, just talking about how I feel about certain issues, certain topics, um, and just putting my thoughts out into the world. Um, this is, uh, just an opportunity for me to kind of write a letter out to the world to, uh, just to be read and, and, you know, um, read and consumed and, and, you know, you all can take my thoughts for what they are. Um, as always understand that I am not an expert, uh, in, in, I don't know if I would consider my expert in really any field. Um, 
But I, I'm not an expert, especially in a lot of the topics that I'll probably talk about. I, I try to be as informed about just current events and about the world and about, you know, the things that I talk about as I can be and as I, as I feel uh, is a suitable level uh, of being informed. But take everything that I say with a grain of salt. Um, you know, I, I am not always right about everything and I, you know, uh, am always up for being critiqued and being corrected. So if anything I say in this, um, uh, episode, uh, in any, and in any future episodes is blatantly false and I'm just not aware of it, um, then don't hesitate to correct me and, and, you know, correct my course. I would like to be, you know, if I'm saying something that's wrong, that's verifiably false, uh, or, you know, that you think could be corrected in some way, then don't hesitate to let me know. But, um, I hope it comes clear that all the thoughts that are expressed thoughts and opinions that are expressed in this episode and in future episodes are that of my own. Uh, they are just mine. They're not uh, representative of anybody that I'm affiliated with or any uh, any institutions that I may be affiliated with, nothing of that sort. It is purely from, uh, purely thoughts of my own. And so feel free to take them and do with them what you will. As always, like I said, take them with a grain of salt. I'm not the foremost expert on anything, uh, except my own opinions. And, <laughs> um, I should, they should be viewed as that. So <clears throat> without, you know, like I said, these, these episodes are going to be a little bit more, uh, not super structured. This is just going to be me talking. Uh, and if, if that's something that interests you and you want to hear my thoughts on a particular issue or a particular topic or, or subject, then, um, I hope you'll stick around to, to listen to what I have to say. Um, and as always, I hope that you enjoy, enjoy the episode. So yeah, without any further ado, um, you know, with this first episode, I didn't, I didn't know how I wanted to go about this first episode, but I've been really thinking about uh, some subject in particular over the past couple of weeks, and I haven't really talked to anyone about it just because I haven't really felt like the time is right or I'm in the right setting to talk about it. And today, that's what I want to do. I just want to get my thoughts out. Um, fair warning. I may get, <laughs> there's a chance I could get a little bit, um, you know, emotional in this episode to a degree, but, um, I hope that you understand that all the things I say are coming from a good place and that I ultimately am hoping to only bring about more positive, uh, and good outcomes in the world by what I say and what I do. Um, but, uh, yeah, today, what I would really like to talk about is the events that took place, uh, I guess a couple weeks ago in Uvalde, Texas. Um, as some of you may be aware, now that I'm saying this, uh, what I'm going to be talking about will, uh, revolve around gun violence, will revolve around, uh, recent school shootings, um, and things of that nature. And, just up front, if, if that's something that, uh, is you may be sensitive to, or, you know, it may be something that you don't really want to talk about or think about at this moment, then, uh, just fair warning. That's what the, you know, the large part of this episode will be about. Uh, so 
uh, yeah, I just, just want to make that clear to anyone who's listening. If, if this is something that may upset you to think about or to listen to, um, you know, feel free to come back maybe at a, at a different time when you're maybe in a better headspace to listen, or you don't have to listen at all. It's totally up to you. But, uh, yeah, I have really been thinking a lot about the events that happened in Uvalde, um, a couple weeks ago, the implications of it and just how I feel about it, because, I'm 22 years old. Um, I, I was born in the year 2000 and I, I was not alive for, uh, Columbine when the Columbine shooting happened, but I've essentially, from what I can tell, essentially grown up kind of in the era of mass shootings, particularly, particularly, um, in the era of school shootings in America. And, I have never really expressed how I've been impacted by these events yet. I don't know if I really ever have. And so today I just want to get this off my chest, how I feel about this, how I feel about the current political climate uh, surrounding this issue um, and, and what I hope we can do in the future to mitigate these issues and, um, make a better future for everyone involved and especially those that are, um, going through our school systems here in America. So I think it would be appropriate for this story to, or my perspective on this issue to start whenever I remember my first memory of something like this taking place. And I remember it actually affecting me. December 14th of 2012, that was the day that the infamous Sandy Hook school shooting took place in uh, the state of Connecticut, I believe. At the time, I was 12 years old. I believe I was probably maybe in like fifth or sixth grade, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, And... I remember it was close, obviously, to when we were going to be finishing up school for the year because it was it was in mid-December. We'd be finishing up uh, or, or at least, you know, we'd be getting close to um, Christmas break soon. And I remember I don't know if it was the day the uh, massacre happened or if it was a couple days after, but it was relatively soon after it happened. I remember. I believe I was at school when I heard about it. I, I was I was at school in uh, in t- in uh, typing class, actually, if I'm remembering correctly. And I remember someone brought up the fact that some guy went into a school in Connecticut and just just killed these children. Uh, you know, I, I looked up a few different statistics before this episode. Killed twenty children and six adult staff members at the uh, school. And whenever I left school that day, um, I remember I left and in my parents' vehicle, the radio was on, and I remember hearing about it on the radio, and I just could not comprehend that idea. It's something about that, you know, because I was in middle school at the time, and, and... although I was older than the children that died at Sandy Hook, um, 
I wasn't much older than them, uh, maybe just by five years or so. And, um, it was such a strange thing for me to try and process because I could not imagine why someone would or how someone would be able to go into a public school where children go every day to learn and just brutally slaughter them. I just still to this day, I I don't, I cannot imagine the headspace that someone has to be in for that to take place. And obviously I was 12 years old at the time. I didn't know really any of the widespread implications about why this took place, uh, about, you know, the socioeconomic and political factors that go into, um, someone getting to this point to where they committed such an atrocity. But I knew that even at a young age like that, that that event did not feel normal. Like it was not something that should happen, you know, or or that should happen on a, on a regular basis. And so from that point on, um, I know that there were other school shootings and even ones, there were ones before Sandy Hook that took place. You know, I mentioned, I think I may have mentioned Columbine earlier. I know there was the Virginia Tech shooting. A lot of these I weren't, either I wasn't alive for, or I just don't remember. Um, I don't have any memory of them, but from, from the time that Sandy Hook happened, I don't really remember, you know, I don't have a memory of any really major prominent school shootings. Um, I do, I do have memory of some, some prominent, uh, mass, just mass shootings in general. Um, you know, specifically like the Vegas one comes to mind and, and some, uh, horrible, just atrocities that were committed on our nation following that, that, you know, weren't the exact same, but for the sake of this episode, we're just talking about school shootings uh, in particular. And I remember the next one that really sticks out to me personally is, uh, I believe it was in, um, it was in 2018, um, when the shooting in Parkland, Florida at, I believe it's called Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. I may have butchered that name, so forgive me if I did. But uh, yeah, I was a um, I was a senior in in high school at this point. I was getting ready to graduate soon. Uh, I would I would eventually go on to graduate in like April or May of of that year, whenever it was. And that shooting in particular really hit home for me because it it showed that it could happen anywhere. Uh, I mean, obviously it happened at an elementary school back in Sandy hook and it's happened at numerous places, numerous places, excuse me, um, since then. But, you know, from what I could tell, um, the, the school that this shooting happened at in Parkland, Florida was no different than the high school that I went to. And I mean, it, this was no minor thing. I mean, set from what I could find, 17 people were murdered and even, and 17 people, 17 different people were also injured. Um, if I, if my numbers are incorrect, I did a quick Wikipedia search. So forgive me if my numbers are incorrect, but nevertheless, the, the point is, is that people were brutally murdered in a place where they assumed they were safe in a place where they assumed that they were, 
um, going there just to learn. And, and a lot of them were going to be graduating soon. Like, uh, soon, like I did, um, you know, um, just thinking about how I was lucky enough to go to school that day and the rest of the school year. And I never had to face the, um, I never had to face, uh, something like those students did in Parkland that day. Um, it, it was just weird. It, it really, I felt like I was in a movie almost like it wasn't real, you know? And this feeling was only really exacerbated, you know, in the years previous to this, because, you know, after, you know, stepping back a little bit after Sandy Hook, um, suddenly, at least in the schools that I went to, um, you know, active shooter drills became a, a frequent thing that we practiced. Um, you know, we would, we would do everything we could to try and prevent, uh, or try to, uh, keep ourselves safe if something like this happened. But, you know, leading up to, or following, following Sandy Hook and up until Parkland in 2018, we would do these drills where, um, if someone were to enter the building, uh, with a weapon, uh, we would all keep our doors locked. We actually had, we actually got to a point, I believe, um, where all doors were locked at all times. And, you know, if you had to go to the bathroom or something, um, during class, someone had to get up and let you in. It wasn't like it was just unlocked. And then we would lock it. If, if, you know, someone entered the building with a weapon, no, they were just locked all the time in the school. And so we, we had that in place. We had these little like blackout blinds on the doors. Uh, I don't think we had them on the windows per se, but I know we had, you know, some of our doors into the classrooms had windows on them, had the small little windows and we would have blackout blinds on those. Uh, we even had plans in place to like move heavy cabinets in front of the doors. Uh, if this were to take place and then we would have, you know, faculty members and, and, uh, you know, local police officers come around and like knock on doors and they would kind of role play almost to a degree what it would be like if someone were trying to get into your classroom, uh, if with a gun or with some kind of weapon. And <laughs> I understand that the point of those drills was to try and keep the students as safe as we could with what we had at the school building. Uh, I'm not trying to critique the attitude of those who kind of coordinated those, those events, but man, those drills really, for me personally, they really did have a profound effect on me because I've even realized even now in my life, I mean, I'm 22 years old. I, I'm, I've graduated from college. I, in the back of my mind, whenever I go out into a public or, you know, an area where there's lots of people, I'm always a little bit on edge. Um, I mean, just the other day, a week or two ago, I was in Walmart. I mean, this is, this is a true story. I, I was in Walmart and I was walking to the checkout lane and there was this young girl, maybe 
30 yards ahead of me, just standing with her family. And she had a, a, a um, like a plastic pool noodle, you know, and I don't, I guess they were going to buy it, but she got it and she was too young. I mean, she was maybe, you know, four or five years old. I don't know. She was, she was young enough to where she could, she didn't know any better, but she got the noodle and just slammed it on the ground like two or three times. It's pow, pow, pow. And I, it startled me. I mean, because I've had to live in this reality where anywhere you go, no matter whether it's a store, whether it's a concert, whether it's a the school that you attend, constantly in the back of your mind, you have to think, okay, at least for me, you have to think there's a chance someone could open fire on this crowd right now. And I could be in that crowd and I need to have a method of getting out, um, or escaping or have some plan of, of leaving the premises if need be. And it's moments like that where, you know, seemingly innocent, someone, you know, a little girl just smacking the ground with a pool noodle. She's just messing around immediately. Uh, you know, I was, I was looking for an exit. I, I was, I was, I was startled by it. And, and, you know, I, I, I immediately jumped to the worst conclusion that someone was in this Walmart with a weapon and they had open fired. Now, thankfully that wasn't the case, obviously, but this is the reality that, that I feel and that I've grown up in and that I've had to live in. And I would imagine this is the case for other people. You know, I'm not speaking for anyone. I'm, I'm purely speculating here, but this is the reality that I've had to live in. Um, <laughs> funny enough, um, this all kind of took place for me personally in whenever I was in college. Um, I forget the year. I want to say I'm fairly certain it was 2019 because I'm, I'm, I know it was, it was not after the pandemic started. Uh, and it wasn't my freshman year. So I'm pretty sure it was in 2019. I don't remember which semester exactly. I want to say spring semester of 2019. No, maybe, maybe fall spring or fall of 20. I, I don't know. It was in spring or fall of 2019, but, uh, the university. So I, I currently live and work here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I recently graduated from the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, Go Mox, uh, back in December of 2021. And I was a business student. I graduated with, with a degree in finance. And so a lot of my classes were uh, in the in the business building in Fletcher Hall. Um, and in whatever semester it was uh, in 2019, I was taking an accounting class. I think it was accounting two. Um Let's see. Yeah. If it, yeah. It, if it was accounting to, it would have been fall of 2019. So I'm, I'm pretty confident that's when it was, but fall of 2019. Um, I'm sitting in accounting and it's in the early half of the day. It's, it was like a, a late morning class. I think, uh, it was before it was before lunch. I know that. And there had been reports that a man had been on campus and believed to have entered Fletcher Hall, the building that I was in, um, with a weapon. And so the campus was immediately put on lockdown. Uh, you know, if you were in other buildings like the library or, you know, um, like the, the engineering building, like you were, if my memory is correct, those buildings were immediately put on lockdown. Nobody was to go in, you know, really 
really to go in or out, uh, whether that actually happened, I'm not entirely sure, but, um, I was quite literally in the epicenter of what we thought was about to be a potential school shooting, um, (laughs) right here on my college campus. And so during this, um, we, when word got out, we all kind of stopped what we were, we weren't, we stopped teaching and we were trying to figure out what the best plan of action was. We, we locked the door. I don't remember if we barricaded the door with anything, but all that we knew was that someone was on campus and was believed to be in the building we were in Fletcher hall, the business building with a weapon. And so we just hunkered down and, and tried to be as safe as we could. And as time went on, um, people started reaching out to me, friends, family, you know, people that I knew just reaching out and saying, Hey, are you okay? You know, is everything all right? And, and the, the crazy thing is they did not realize, most people did not realize that I was in the building. I was in that building. Most people just knew that I was, I was a student at UTC and that I was there. They didn't know that I was in the building. And so whenever I started telling people, Hey, yeah, I'm at UTC, but I'm actually in the building that this supposed man with a gun is in, like I'm in it. I'm right in the middle of it. Um, you know, I could sense a bit of a, I could sense the fear that came over people. I mean, I was scared. I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, you know, news channels started reporting on it. Um, and it was, it was a really scary time. And so where I was, you know, located in the building, if, if, you, if you've never been to Fletcher Hall at UTC, I'll try to be as descriptive as I can. But the main floor that you walk into the building on is actually not the bottom floor. There is a basement floor that um, it has, you know, if you're in one of the classrooms in the basement floor, there's windows, but it's the windows are raised up a little bit. They're not like at the typical level that windows are at. And so this is where I was. I was in the, in the bottom floor during accounting. And not only that, but the room that I was in was a corner room. So it was, it wasn't like on a hallway strip. It was in a, in the corner of the building on the bottom floor. It was kind of tucked away in the back. It's not like super obvious. If you've never been into Fletcher hall, it's not a super obvious area. And so we heard reports that this guy, whoever it was that had the weapon was, was still at, you know, on campus. We had reports that there was these random reports coming in that there had been hostages taken and that, uh, you know, that he, that he'd been seen in other parts of campus and nobody really knew what was going on. And we had been told that, the police and the authorities had started evacuating different floors of Fletcher hall. And so we we're like, okay, they're going to come and get us eventually. Well, one floor was evacuated. The next one was evacuated. The next one was evacuated. And almost an hour and a half later, if I believe, I know it was over an hour, uh, almost an hour and a half later, we were still in, in the room we were in and we had tried to make contact with people uh, outside with the, the authorities and tell them where we were and that we were here. And again, we were still fully on, un- everyone was still fully under the assumption that there was an, a man with, or an, some individual with a weapon inside of the building that we were in. And so 
you know, to give you a bit of perspective, like I said, we were in the bottom floor on the corner and the windows that we could see out of would look directly out onto an intersection, uh, right next to the building, the intersection. Um, I forget exactly which streets it was, uh, but it was an intersection on Macaulay, Macaulay Avenue. Um, if any, any of you all know where that's at, you might be able to visualize. And so outside of the window I was looking in, I could see the TV crews. I mean, I could see hundreds of police, well, not hundreds, but I could see, you know, maybe dozens of police vehicles. Um, at one point I saw what seemed to be like a SWAT vehicle or, or just men in, you know, heavy military tactical gear that was preparing to enter our building. Um, I, I could see all of that out in the window, but we could not get out because our windows were locked and our door was locked. And so we were stuck. And as time went on, um, we really began to worry, like, are they ever, are they going to come get us? Like the longer we're in here, the, you know, we, the, the more of a, uh, the more in danger we are, the longer we are in here. And so after about an hour and a half, finally, we heard a knock at the door and I forget if we had been told that the police was coming or not, but we heard a knock at the door and we said that, Hey, we're in here. Um, and you know, the door opened and it was the police. And I kid you not in one of the scariest moments of my life, um, I was in the back of the classroom and from the angle that I could see the door, when the door opened, all I saw was the barrel of a rifle, just looking, just walking into the room. Um, and for a brief second, I thought this is it. I mean, this guy, whoever it is, he, he, he found our door and this is it. Um, thankfully it wasn't, um, it was police officers. Uh, they walked in and they were relieved to see that we were all still there, that we were all still, you know, in good shape. We weren't harmed or, or anything. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a scary moment to see, to see that. And for just a brief second to think this, this could be it. Um, and you know, thank, thankfully we were then escorted out of the building from, um, escorted out of the building from, uh, with the, with the police officers and we left. And I just remember after that, it was kind of weird because when, once they escorted us out of the building, there wasn't really like a, a specific area where they wanted us to go. It was just kind of like, okay, it's a, you know, you're free to go wherever you go. And I don't know, looking back, I don't know what should have been done, but it was kind of scary just thinking, okay, I'm just going to, go as far as I can just, just leave and try to find people I know. And so I say all this to say that these have been all the experiences that I can think of that have impacted me personally on a, um, um, 
impacted me personally on on a personal level regarding this issue of of mass shootings and school shootings. And so so whenever the news of the shooting in Uvalde, Texas broke recently, um, for context, at the time of this recording, it is June 6th, um, and the, the massacre in Uvalde was, uh, on, from what I, what I, from what I pulled up, it was on May 24th of this year. So, uh, less than a month ago, just a couple weeks, um, 19 students were killed and two teachers were killed, 21 people in total, by a young man who had just turned 18 who had went and purchased, um, right after he turned 18, went and purchased, um, I believe, uh, an assault rifle or multiple, you know, uh, assault rifles. I don't know the exact model of them. Uh, so forgive me. I don't know all the exact details of what kind of weaponry he had or, you know, weapons he had that he had, but essentially he had been from what can be found. He had been posting things, you know, kind of some suspicious things and some very obvious things on social media leading up to this. Basically, from what I could find again, if I'm, if I'm wrong, anyone can correct me on this, but decrying his intentions. Um, and then on May 24th, he, uh, he shot and did not, I don't believe he killed his grandmother, but he shot his grandmother. Um, he got in a, in a truck, drove to the school. He somehow crashed his vehicle into, I think a ditch. I'm not sure if it was intentional or not, but crashed his vehicle into a ditch and then entered the, uh, I believe it was called Rob elementary school in Uvalde, Texas and walked in and murdered 19 children and two teachers. And I remember seeing the notification that this had happened pop up on my phone when it did. And my first thought was not again, <laughs> just, uh, I could not believe that this had happened again. And as more information comes out, uh, about what happened that day, uh, it, it is becoming increasingly frustrating for me to think about this event and what happened. It, it, I, first and foremost, I would like to just extend my deepest condolences to the families of these individuals that died and all those that were impacted in the community of Uvalde, Texas. For what it's worth, uh, my my thoughts and prayers and condolences extend out to you and. Um, I've really been trying to grapple with the implications of this for really since this event happened. But as more information comes out about this event and from what I have found, this whole event, this whole tragic atrocity keeps unfolding in an incredibly disastrous manner. 
along with the fact that an individual walked into a school and murdered 19 children and two teachers. The response to this by the local police in the area was equally atrocious from what I found. The time is a little bit up in the air, um, but roughly speaking, from the time that he entered the school to the time that he was killed, an hour passed. Roughly an hour. Which that thought alone of someone having an hour alone to walk the school, the halls of a school and murder whoever they see fit is, it gives me chills thinking about the implications of that. But along with this, recent video footage and um, eyewitness testimony has come out that the local police in the area, there was just complete inaction on their part to do anything to go inside and take out this guy. But along with this, they were prohibiting, while they were not doing anything to take out the guy inside, they were actively prohibiting, and even in some instances, apprehending uh, parents and individuals that were trying to at, in, in some instances, go in and get their children out of the school and tried and, you know, basically, while there was a man inside the school slaughtering children, the local police were creating a perimeter around the school building, not allowing anyone to know what was happening inside, to even go inside or to try and to do anything to stop this from happening. And because of this, this man inside the school building, walked around for an hour straight, murdering children and, and teachers. And there's a lot more detail. There's, there's many more details about this that I'm currently, I'm not going to bring up every single detail about this um, because I don't know every detail. Um, I encourage those that are listening to go and to read up on this and to learn about it and to, um, educate themselves on what happened. Um, but from a broad scale, it gets even worse um, because as soon as this happened, um, it was told that when the killer, uh, initially crashed his vehicle, that he was quote engaged by police, which what that means to me, sounds like there was, you know, he was, uh, you know, there were shots fired at him or something like that. You know, something was done by the police to try and prohibit him from entering, but they were unsuccessful. Well, then it actually comes out that that's not true. Um, it comes out later that from what I have found again, uh, that he was not engaged by really anyone. Um, he walked into this school, I believe through a back entrance, um, uninhibited and he was not stopped by anyone. Along with this, from what I've found and from what I have tried to research, um, the school resource officer, the, it, there was claims that this individual, the school resource officer officer was on, on duty on the school campus at the time, but, 
uh, this turned out to be a lie. Uh, this was not true. And questions now arise about, well, where was this school resource officer? What were they doing? Why were they not trying to help these innocent children that were being slaughtered? And the more I think about it, the more frustrating it is for me to think about because from the day in December of 2012, when Sandy Hook took place to just a couple weeks ago, when, um, almost an equivalent amount of students of a similar age were slaughtered in classrooms. It seems to me like nothing has been done or nothing has changed to try and to mitigate this. And I just cannot fathom that. That to me, I cannot fathom that. I, I do not understand how, I understand how statistically speaking, the likelihood of someone being involved in a school shooting is low. I understand that. But the fact that these take place seemingly only in the United States, from what I can find, and that nothing happens, we don't do anything from a federal or a state or a local level, nothing of substance that will will even try to mitigate or solve these, these issues is astounding to me because... I just, it, it blows my mind. It is so frustrating to me that nothing has been done. Nothing, we haven't even tried anything. You know, there's been a lot of debate about what would have stopped this individual or what would have stopped, you know, the shooters at Parkland or this school or that school. And, and to a degree, I understand. I get it. You don't just want to you don't want to do something that's not going to actually have an impact. But at the same time, how can we tolerate inaction in the face of something this horrendous and this traumatizing? Because what we're, what, what we have to remember is that there are, there are so many young people my age and younger that are growing up in this America. They're, they're growing up in an America where, this is becoming a normal thing where it's, it's expected that this is going to happen on a somewhat regular basis and that there's just nothing we can do about it. And I just don't understand how we have this, how we just tolerate this attitude that there's nothing we can do. We're not even willing to try anything, you know? I mean, I'm not saying I have all the, all the, the solutions to this, but the fact that Virtually no one on either side of the aisle are willing to try really anything or are really willing to actually make a push to try and solve this issue is insane to me. And it, 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 it is frustrating. It is disappointing. It is saddening. And I genuinely, it just makes me so incredibly sad for the people that have had to suffer through tragedies like this and who 
seemingly inevitably will continue to suffer through tragedies like this. It makes me worry for, you know, I mean, I, I hope one day to, to start a family. Um, I do. And it makes me worry for the world and the country and the, that my family will grow up in. Um, I would imagine virtually no parent wants their child to ever have to deal with uh, something as traumatizing as this. But if I'm not, again, I'm not saying that I have the answers, but I can guarantee you if we don't do anything, this will continue to happen. I guarantee you that if we continue to have inaction as opposed to action, this will continue to happen. Children will continue to be slaughtered in schools. Just recently, there was a mass shooting at a hospital in, uh, I think it was Tulsa, Oklahoma. Recently here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, there have been multiple um, shootings in the area that have made news headlines. And, And it's just, it blows my mind that we, when something this horrendous happens, we cannot find a way to come together from, again, a federal, state, and local standpoint of government to do something. To do something. I'm not saying we should, um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying there's going to be one silver bullet that's going to fix all of this because I believe that this is a very intricate problem, uh, that has many different facets that, uh, contribute to this problem continuing to occur. But how can we sit around and do nothing? I mean, the most recent example that I can think of, of something like this happening was when the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic broke out. Um, you know, there's plenty of criticism to go about, to go around about the delayed response of the government uh, following the kind of onset of the pandemic. Um, but it there there came a point where the government just decided to throw just at, at the very least just throw everything in the kitchen sink at it. They, there was bills that were passed. There was community initiatives. I mean, there was so much money. I mean, literally, the government started sending out checks to people, which is very unlike the government to do um, in in an attempt to keep the economy afloat. And again, things like this weren't tested before. We didn't necessarily know if it was going to work. We still don't necessarily know all the repercussions of the things that we did during the onset of the pandemic. But to me, I would rather us try something and fail then not do anything and just allow the issue to steamroll us. I just do not understand how nothing is done. How children are slaughtered. How children, innocent children, bleed out on cold schoolroom floors. How teachers go in every day worried about the safety of the of the children that they are supposed to teach i don't know how all of these things does not cause us as a nation to put aside 
whatever differences we have, whether it be political, social, cultural, whatever, and figure out something to do to try and stop this. Because I would, remaining passive in the face of an issue like this is what's going to, that will be a guaranteed ticket to continuing this streak of mass shootings in schools in the future, in my humble opinion. Now, I've got loved ones, relatives, friends, family that are younger than me that are going through the public school system right now. And I think about what it would be like for something like that to happen with them. And my, just the idea of it just breaks my heart. Obviously, my hope is that nothing like this ever has to happen to anyone, no matter where you live in the country or on the globe. But again, I will continue to... I will continue to say that unless something is done, unless some action is taken, you will continue to raise generations of people like me that are continually worried and afraid of public gatherings. You will continue to see teachers being pulled in every which direction due to the fact that they are not only underpaid, but along with the fact that they are being told that they must teach, that they must protect, that they must do everything, do so many things that are not written in their job description and that they are expected to hold up a happy face in front of the world. We will continue to live in a culture that glorifies violence the way that it does and glorifies um, so many things that contribute to these issues and we will continue to see mass shootings occur all across the nation if nothing is done. I'm not saying that I have all the answers. I have some ideas, but I'm not even going to, I'm not saying that I know that they would work or I know that they would, they would solve the issue. But I know one thing for certain that if we don't want to solve this issue, if we don't want to change anything, if we want to see more generations be raised in the fear of someone entering a public place and opening fire on them, if we want to continue to slowly but surely pull at the strands that hold our society together and unravel everything that has been built up in this nation. If we want to continue to put stress on families and individuals that should not have to be stressed and pulled in this way, then all we have to do is nothing. And that's exactly what it seems to me we're doing.
my hope is that when things like this happen, people will put aside whatever differences they have. Whatever differences they believe they have this that will not allow us to make any sort of change, any sort of impact. My hope is that people will put those aside and we will work to find solutions and we will work to make change. Again, I'm not saying that I have all the answers and I'm not saying that one bill or one law or one cultural change is going to stop this problem in its tracks. But I just will continue, continue to stress the fact that if nothing is done, nothing will change. Thank you for listening to this episode. Um, I know it was a bit of a somber one. Um, I want to reassure you that not every episode of, of this segment will be this somber or will be this serious all the time. Um, but again, the point of this is just for me to get my thoughts out, uh, into the world. And I would love to hear any and all responses, uh, to what I had to say. I'd love to hear your opinion on this matter. If, if you would like to get in contact with me, um, about this, uh, my, my Instagram and social media handles will be in the description. Feel free to message me anytime. Um, feel free to send an email to uh, the podcast at radiofacepod at gmail.com with your thoughts, uh, on today's episode, uh, or on any future episodes. I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, and maybe we can strike up a conversation about how we can move forward in a more positive direction in this country, because, I genuinely don't care what your political affiliations are. I don't care what your cultural uh, designations are. All I care about is the fact that we are all human at the end of the day. And that I, I genuinely hope that each day we can take small incremental steps to make this world a better place for all of us. Thank you again for listening. If you'd like to learn more about, um, me, what I do, uh, or if you'd like to follow me on anything, any social medias or follow the podcast, uh, you can head down to the description below to see more information about that. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode. Um, it really means a lot. If you made it this far, uh, I want to thank you for listening and I hope that you will consider joining me on the next episode, uh, of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a great day. Goodbye.